And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 249 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Tim. It's Tim. Tim hey. has reemerged from the depths of 2020. <laughs> I'm back. With a Timgence. Yeah. That really messed me up, by the way, when you said, Welcome to Panelology. I was like, Wait, where am I? <laughs> it, it has been a minute. Yeah. Uh, but you are back. Brian got tied up with work things, and Tim, uh, the the erstwhile co-ghost, <laughs> uh, stepped in so that listeners at home do not have to hear me monologue for an hour about comics. You're welcome, everybody. Yes, everybody should earnestly be thanking Tim. <laughs> we are at least one step off of the darkest timeline. Uh, I'd ask how you've been doing, but that feels like a loaded question. Uh, it's been really busy. Yeah. Really busy. Well, let's get into comics then. Uh, comics that you have been... A little behind on me. Yeah, I, uh, a little is a little bit generous. I'd say I'm a lot behind. Well, the good news is at least DC right now is making it easy to jump back into things with Future State. True. So, uh, as we have been, I have put these in chronological order by when they take place. So we will start in 2025 with the next Batman, which of course is the one book... One of the two books that Tim could not get his hands on. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to probably keep this one pretty quick. Uh, it is just as good as the first two issues, but it's the third issue of four. So we'll spend a little more time on four, I think. Uh, the main feature in this is the next Batman. Uh, this is written by John Ridley with art by Laura Braga. Breakdowns by Nick Darrington. Colors by Arif Prianto. And letters by Clayton Cowles. This is very much continuing the the uh beat that the last issue left off on with the new the next batman uh trying to save this couple that he was also trying to bust from the magistrate who will just murk them all uh we also see him finally maybe make a connection in the police department how that goes is yet to be seen do we know the identity of the next batman I do. Oh, but they have not revealed it in the story? They they actually have. They did in number two. Oh, okay. And Do and, you want to know? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay, so if you if you are behind on this, if you don't know this, jump forward like thirty seconds. <laughs> uh it is Lucius Fox's other son. Oh Jace. interesting. Yes. Well that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh this is something that we've actually seen set up. In the main Batman book, uh, this and Catwoman and maybe to a lesser degree Justice League Dark 
uh, because it's still the same writer, are the only books that kind of continue with ongoings after Future State. Okay. Uh, like, the Batman book will still be uh, uh, James Tynan, Catwoman will still be Rom V, and those stories will continue from where they're at. Justice League Dark is a new story, but the Future State book kind of sets up maybe where that's going. Okay. Um, but it's still Rom V who's been writing, uh, he finished up the storyline that James Tynan started. Uh, he'll be continuing, uh-huh. as well as picking up the Swamp Thing book. Swamp Thing book was so good. We will get there. Yeah. Uh, the second story in Next Batman was Outsiders, part two. This was written by Brandon Thomas with pencils by Sumit Kumar, inks by Raul Fernandez and Sumit Kumar, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Steve Wands. I talked with the first part of this about how much I liked seeing this Outsiders team together and seeing kind of their stories continue from the last volume of Outsiders. Uh, I do not know where what has happened to Black Lightning. It is magic. Like, literally, magic has turned him into a living lightning bolt. Um, but I need to see in, <laughs> in Infinite Frontiers, the stuff starting in March, I need to see how he turns into living lightning <laughs> and how he gets mixed up with magic. Like, all of this, I, I need to know. Yeah. I just, I need to know. I need more of this. Uh, this is so much fun, and Jordi Belair's colors in this, in particular. I love Sumit Kumar's art in this, but Jordi Belair's colors also just push it into something really, really gorgeous. Yeah, it, that seems to be the pattern with with Jordi Belair. Yeah, and the last story here is the second and final part of the Arkham Knights book, or Arkham Knights story. We we talked with the first one about how it felt a little bit. Like, this was the book that was stuck with telling us the rules of Gotham in 2025. This part of the story feels a lot freer of that. It feels like it has room just to kind of do what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they are, they are, in fact, pulling a heist on the Magistrate and pulling a big ol' fake out, and it's really satisfying to, to see them do that. Fun. On to Harley Quinn. Okay. So, this was written by Stephanie Phillips, art is by Simone DeMeo and Tony Infante, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, and letters by Troy Pateri. Tim. Yes. What did you think? Uh, it, it was really good. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see a couple of things. Uh, Scarecrow has, has given up the mask. I was sort of wondering what it was that, that drove him to do that. Um... But Scarecrow and Harley Quinn are teaming up against Black Mask here in this one. Yeah. And it, it's very interesting to see their interactions. You get the the, the straight-laced Jonathan Crane <laughs> trying to, to, to solve these, these crimes that are going on. Or the actions of Black Mask. And then you have Harley Quinn, who is quite the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I have really liked what, in these two issues, Stephanie Phillips has done with Harley. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to her continuing to write Harley, and Harley as kind of a hero instead of a villain, mm-hmm. starting in March. Uh, this book has also made me way more interested in the Scarecrow than I usually ever am. Yeah. Uh, I know he's a big part of what's planned for Gotham in the next year. Oh, now that I don't know. 
Yeah, well, yeah. starting starting with the next issue back in March, like he's the big bad at least at first. Oh, really? Or a big bad? There are a lot of moving parts in yeah. Gotham right now. It's it's really good. <laughs> uh, it would be worth your getting caught up on with all that spare time you have. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So. I, I guess my question about all of the future state stuff is like it, it. I guess it's sort of billed as like an alternate timeline type deal. No, so think of it as possible futures. Okay. Um, coming out of death metal, basically the infinite multiverse has been reestablished. So these these books are all in theory. Things that could be the future of Earth Zero, oh, okay. if if nothing has changed, and they certainly could still play out in the way they have here. I doubt that we actually see all of these things happen. Sure, but compared to like a few years ago when DC did, uh, uh, I think it was a five years later, like one week or one-month event where every book jumped into the future five years, mm-hmm. those felt really detached from anything that you'd ever expect to see. Whereas these books take take the Batman stuff, for example. Um, the Magistrate is being introduced in March and April to Gotham. Well, fun. Um, the, the mayor, who is referenced throughout these books, Mayor Nakano, Mm-hmm. Runs for election in March and April in Gotham. Uh, like I said about Scarecrow, we know he's a sort of featured player coming up. So all of these books have elements that either have recently been introduced in a couple of cases or will be explored further in current daytime I like when, when we return to the timeline next month. That's a fun little little sandbox to play in. I think the best example is Teen Titans, where uh, the future state books are set after the Titans Academy has fallen in a catastrophe with like the original Teen Titans members and classic Teen Titans members being the faculty and advisors. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we only ever see flashbacks to the school in session. Teen Titans Academy number one comes out in March. Nice. Yeah. Uh, And like, the the solicitation text for it even acknowledges, okay, there is some looming catastrophe. Can it be averted? Oh, yeah, I like this. Yeah. Uh, I think this whole future state plan has been really smart. Yeah. Uh, anything else on Harley Quinn? No. Uh, I was really satisfied with how this wrapped up. I will say that. Uh, and I agree that I, I think Phillips will do a really good job with an ongoing. Yes. Moving on, The Flash, number two. We are in 2027 now. Um, this is another subject of debate, by the way, Tim. Uh, not, eh. I think Brian and I are mostly on the same page that this this feels like it could be one timeline. But there's actually nothing that tells us it's all a single timeline. Yeah. Um. So that's that's definitely another, at least, ambiguity in favor of the maybe these are all multiple futures. I had sort of... Without any real reason, my brain landed on that they were multiple futures. And I think it was mostly the Swamp Thing read that made me think that. Yeah, I think that's probably that's probably one of the strongest pieces of evidence yeah, for it. Yeah, although it is set at such a different time. There's really nothing saying that. 
Yeah, I mean, we get a few books that are a little further out in time, but once you get past 4,500, there are only like two or three books yeah. past that. The Flash number two, I think, really carries forward uh, the exact same momentum that one had. The real hook of this is seeing Barry, without his Speed Force powers, try to use all of the rogues tools better than they ever could uh, it's definitely built on the barry as his own worst enemy themes so depending on how you feel about that your mileage may vary <laughs> uh, but seeing him try to to fight a possessed wally west using all of the tricksters or all of the rogues tricks is fun like it is for a very dark story that reads almost like it reads like a a, a dracula or a, a dr jekyll and mr hyde like that kind of gothic horror yeah like man fighting monster of his own creation or man fighting monster that is a force of nature kind of thing. Okay, I, I I don't know if you're actually trying to convince me to get up and go get this one right now, but I think you have. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how I missed this one. This one sounds like my jam. Uh, yeah, I think like I I think the biggest the biggest litmus test for if this will be a particular person's cup of tea is how they feel about Barry in that erstwhile fuck up place. <laughs> Um, especially taken to such a sort of dark extreme. Yeah. Uh, this is not a happy, upbeat book. Okay. I, I will tell you that. Uh, I didn't mention this was written by Brandon Vietti, with art by Brandon Peterson and Will Conrad, colors by Micah Tia, and letters by Steve Wands. Um, this also does, as Brian and I speculated, feed directly into Teen Titans. This issue confirms that. Future State, Superman of Metropolis number two. Uh, I'm also going to be pretty quick here, because, uh, again, I think I think this is another issue that kind of the first one really sets up what this book is about, and issue two carries that to a natural conclusion. Like, I think this is, this is a very tight book in that regard, all three of these stories. We're in 2030 now. Which means this is set at the same time as Aquaman, Black Racer, Justice League Dark, Midnighter, Suicide Squad, Superman Worlds of War, and Nubia. Uh, the main feature is Superman of Tomorrow, which is written by Sean Lewis with art by John Timms, colors by Gabe Eltabe, and letters by Dave Sharp. Uh, this is the, the fight between John and Brain Cells over the Bottle City of Metropolis. And I think I think maybe the one layer that this does add that again having having read solicitations for March feels like it's seeding an idea is that this becomes about John trying to figure out what kind of Superman he is, realizing that he's not going to be a hero in the same way as his father, that that's an impossible expectation. He's not going to be one even in the same way as Kara. They're different people. So what kind of Superman is is John? It's 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 introducing the kind of self reflection that I know the first couple of the first issue at least of Superman and Action Comics will each be about for John. Yeah. Uh Mr. Miracle, this is part two of the Mr. Miracle story introduced in the first issue of this. 
but it comes before the Mystery Miracle story by the same creative team in Superman Worlds of War. So you can either think of it as part two of two or part two of four that way, if you're reading both of those books. And this is very much just about Mr. Miracle with no resources and all of these murder robots after him trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with this barrier that just appeared around Metropolis. Uh, It's written by Brandon Easton, artist by Valentin Delandro, colorist is Marissa Louise, and letterer is Dave Sharp. And that's the same creative team as the Superman Worlds of War Mr. Miracle story. So I really think, I really think you read this all as one. That's, that's my take on it. I'm going to definitely have to, the the Tom King Mr. Miracle really got this whole like rabbit hole started for me. So I, I, I definitely think I would enjoy these stories. I think you would. Now I will tell you, Tim, this is not the same Mr. Miracle. This is Shiloh Norman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen a lot of Shiloh Norman in the last 10 years in DC Comics. They did a one-shot a couple of years ago, um, celebrating some different Jack Kirby characters. Like, there were, there were six one-shots, and one of them was Shiloh Norman. That's the only time I remember seeing him. But, starting in, I believe, May, they are doing a six-issue miniseries that kind of connects the dots between how Shiloh Norman got from where he had been whenever the last time he really showed up was to his role as sort of like fading celebrity magician and how he deals with being a superhero as a black man in a world that's very suspicious of black men. Ah, neat. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. Uh, It is also going to be written by Brandon Easton uh uh fico asio i believe is the artist on the book okay i I don't think i'm familiar at all with shiloh norman so this will be this will be fun yeah he's he's actually one of three mr miracles he was trained by both the original old like golden age magician mr miracle and scott free and i think batman maybe trained him a little or trained alongside him uh, that's the one thing I remember from that one shot a couple of years ago. Like, he and Batman were tight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the third story in this book is picking up with The Guardian, where issue one left off. This was written by Sean Lewis with art by Coley Hamner, colors by Laura Martin, and letters by And World Design. Uh, this one is probably the most straightforward of these three in terms of picking up right where the last one left off. Uh, the Guardian has to save Jimmy Olsen from being dropped off the the globe of the Daily Planet. Uh, this one is set where Mr. Miracle is set sort of at the beginning of Metropolis being under glass. Uh, this one is set closer to the end of that time. Um, and while that time, we learn this in, in the main story, that time is shorter for john and kara fighting brain cells uh for the people under the dome that time is much much longer then we come to 2050 and future state wonder woman number two uh writer and artist is joel jones colorist is jordi belair letterer is clayton cowles tim how fucking good is this book i i Okay, so this is another one that might have started a bit of a rabbit hole for me. 
Because as soon as I started reading this, I was like, oh, I don't I don't really know what's going on. By the end of this book, this book is phenomenal, and I need more of it. So, this issue is the, well, I guess second appearance isn't true, because she's also in Future State Justice League and Future State Superman Wonder Woman. So I guess this is the fourth appearance of Yara Floor. Uh, her first appearance is Future State Wonder Woman number one. Well, I don't. And there's a. I don't know anything about her, but she's fantastic. Well, there's not a whole lot about her. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's been in four issues. <laughs> there was a lot of world building in Wonder Woman about. Uh, I guess classically there has been like one hidden Amazon city that is where Artemis is from. Uh, but they've done a lot of mythology building in Wonder Woman over the last couple of years. To say, okay, there are actually other hidden Amazon cities, and one of them is in the Brazilian rainforest, and that is where Yara Flor is from. Uh, the only other thing we really know is from Superman Wonder Woman last month. She is descended from gods herself, and like people have started believing in those gods again just because she is a hero and they believe in for in her, and to believe in her. You have to believe in them. Yeah. Um, and then there was an interview with, I think it was with Dan Waters who wrote that issue, talking about Joel Jones' design for Yara Floor and kind of character specs for her. And if Diana's thing was saving the world of man, or bringing peace to the world of man, Yara Flores is bringing peace to the gods themselves. Um, all of which is to say... I don't think you need to know any of that for this to be just <laughs> no. so much fun. The first thing yeah. she does is still Charon's arm and have it, have Cerberus play fetch <laughs> yeah. with it. No, there there was a, a definite moment in this book when I knew this this was my new favorite character, and it was when Yara did the thumb thing. <laughs> where you make your thumb look like it's disappearing in front of the yes. gods. And I was, this this character is fantastic, and this book is fantastic uh no this is definitely one of my favorite future state books it's also gorgeous yes yes this may be you know i'm not one to to throw around superlatives but this may be the prettiest future state book yeah i i i don't think that's a a, a great leap to make that comment um we will get more yara floor as well We've... she is also getting a six issue miniseries Joel Jones is writing that, and drawing that book. I was about to say that that definitely needs to happen. And there was some news a while back that there was even a Yara Floor show in development for the CW. Oh. Yeah. So uh, I am sure we will get much, much more of this character. And if not, we all revolt. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and and hold on. Don't just give me more of the character. Give me more of the Joel Jones writing the character, yes. drawing well, the character. That's the plan. Yep. I love it. And finally, Tim's least favorite character, Swamp Em, Swamp Em! Oh, I was so excited to finally Swamp Thing number two. be reading Swamp Thing again. Written by Rom V, art by Mike Perkins, colors by Jun Chung, and letters by Aditya Bidikar. And this is not a, not a, not a small Swamp Thing story. This is no. kind of an, an epic Swamp Thing story. Yeah, pulling off an epic in two issues yeah. is... <laughs> amazing but yeah. also like so up romvi's alley romvi is one of my favorite writers working right now uh i can definitely see why this was my first 
Rom V book, but I'm definitely going to get my hands on as many as possible. And I'm super excited that, uh, that that was the, the person that was chosen for swamp thing. Yeah. Um, the first, did you, did you, I haven't asked this question. Did you get to pick up the first issues of any of these? I no. Okay, swamp thing was the only one. Okay. So you have read the first half of this. Yes. What did you think about all of the, uh, uh, Almost interstitial pages with all the oh, anatomical yeah, no. designs of uh, it, it. It's so good, like uh, as as sort of like a way to tell what is 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 going on with the the characters around Swamp Thing and with Swamp Thing. Like I I I really enjoyed it. Uh, and we also we we get the confirmation. So Brian had been very excited uh the last page of the first issue to see obsidian yeah uh on the page even though obsidian is is not exactly what you call an active participant in the story no 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 not at all um is it? obsidian is basically has basically been weaponized yeah. by by whom tim uh, jason woodrew <laughs> which really messed with my whole understanding of the time of this thing i didn't realize that woodrew was was equally immortal apparently yeah. although he's been he has definitely been experimenting on himself oh yeah yeah he's not in the best of conditions yeah. look to be to be 2500 years old <laughs> he's doing okay yeah i mean that's true but, that's true but yeah um, I, but he is also basically begging for death yeah. so <laughs> okay might be a low bar yeah it is but yeah he's he's gonna he's figured out a way to use obsidian to basically block out the sun and destroy everything and uh, a swamp thing's defense for that it's just like when i say i, I epic doesn't even feel like a big enough word like it's such a good story and it's so well written. Well and it's so to be like as big and everything we've talked about so far is very like superhero sci-fi, right? Right, like, right, right. Here are these here are these diagrams of how this plant god created plant people and <laughs> this giant doomsday weapon that will blot out the sun and but it's so grounded in and about the necessity of the like human elements right. in swamp thing right at the end of the day as big and bombastic as it is it's so so personal the uh yeah the conversations that he has with his plant people creations uh, they they don't go in your your standardized sort of way of thinking of how these like positive conversations go yeah. It was it was really really well done, and that that cover uh, with with Swamp Thing sort of carrying the weight of the 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 world, even though it's really the eclipse, is just so well done and so accurate to the story. Yeah, I loved it. I can't wait for more of it. Yeah, Future State is, I think, and Tim, you can you are in a better position to confirm this. A really easy way to get yourself hooked on wanting to read more stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, it, not even, like, knowing that I'm not going to get any more of that story, but I, it's so easy to tell with the things that some of these writers have done with some of these characters, and knowing that yeah. they're going to be on with the ongoings, and they're, they're sort of starting their own arcs and stuff, it's definitely a good time to dive in. 
Yeah. And we get at least 10 more issues of Swamp Thing from Rom V and Mike Perkins. Uh, we could get more if everybody buys it. <laughs> I'm going to hand out flyers on the side Today, of the road. February 8th is the last day to have your comic shop pre-order it and be guaranteed a copy. Do it. You don't want to hear from us yelling at you for another book we love getting canceled. And Do it. we will. I will come back. Tim will return just to yell at you. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to see what he does with more than two issues. I know. Yeah. Manbat number one. I did not read this, but you did, Tim. Yeah. This was written by Dave Vilgosh. Art is by Sumit Kumar. Colors are by Romulo Fayardo Jr. And letters are by Tom Napolitano. Yeah. Uh, so this is your 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 sort of story of Manbat. Uh, and how he, so he, it's a, a guy named Langham who's trying to help his sister recover her hearing. And through that, he finds this serum that turns him into a bat. And I guess he sort of loses control of himself and the use of this serum. And this is sort of that story about how he sort of breaks with, with his own intentions, uh, and ends up to a point where he can actually turn into Man-Bat without the use of the serum, like there's enough of it in himself to where he can just make the change without it. Very Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. A very, very. That's a very accurate description. Um, but it's fun. Uh, you get some some neat characters showing up at the end of this in sort of the way that they are going to deal with Man-Bat. Uh, some people have decided to sort of take it out of Batman's hands, and maybe. Uh, a, a a certain group of people should show up to uh to address the situation, but it was pretty fun. It was a pretty fun read. Uh, I guess it's a a five issue series, so we'll see. I'll stick with it. We'll see how it goes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not seen pages from this, but I know Sumit Kumar and Yami- Romulo Fayardo Jr. Oh, no, to normally be yeah, it's very good. gorgeous. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. Yeah, very good. But yeah, I like to see where it where it ends up in five issues. All right, moving on to Image and Deep Beyond number one. I'm definitely going to need some more Deep Beyond. Yeah? I got just enough of a taste of this thing after one issue that I'm going to need I'm gonna need to know more. Uh, well, here is, here is what everyone else should know. It is written by Mirka Andolfo and David Goy. Art is by Andrea Bricardo. Colors are by Barbara Nocinzo. And letters are by Fabio Emilia. And... I agree. This is... I have been a big fan of Mirka Andolfo as an artist for a while now. That led me to Unnatural, where I realized, oh, I like her writing a lot, too. Uh, And now here I am. She is not drawing anything in this. She is co-writing it. And is every bit as good a writer-co-writer as she is an artist. Yeah, this this one throws a lot of a lot of wrinkles and twists and turns at you in the first one, and it's it's oh, I need more, I need more. Yeah, we get uh, terrorists yep. and uh, political conspiracy. I say terrorists. We get environmental terrorists, yeah, specifically, and political conspiracy. We get eldritch horrors. It feels like yes, yeah. Uh, even if they're, you know, just environmental consequences of man's own stupidity, or maybe they're actual I was, I was about to say, I, we don't know. Por que no los dos? Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Um, and a couple of big fun plot twists. <laughs> that are, I do not know what will happen next or where this book will go. No. Uh, but it feels fun and fresh and yeah. uh, is kind of writing an almost post-apocalyptic vibe, but without the like full stop apocalypse. Yeah. Like post-post-apocalyptic. Like society is kind of rebuilt after yeah, that people destroying the world seem to be living totally stopped yeah people seem to be living pretty okay yeah. on the inside it's kind of rough on the outside so i'm I, I i'm real there's a lot of a lot of parts yeah um and it is just gorgeous is the right word most of the time but sometimes it's also uh 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 stomach turning <laughs> But still really pretty somehow. Yeah, th- those those two things, while on their face might be opposites, are are somehow linked. The it? prettiest pustule you <laughs> ever did see. That was very alliterative. Thank you. It was also really fucking hard to say. <laughs> uh, no, this is but yeah, this is my first experience with Andolfo too. But um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah. Uh, and and we keep mentioning Mirka and Dolfo because that's that's who I'm familiar with on the creative team. But David Goy is also co-writer on this, and uh, like I said, the, the writing and storytelling here is absolutely fantastic. It is. I think this is a twelve-issue series. Uh, without googling, that is what is in my memory. All right, on to some quick, quick, quick Marvel wrap-ups or roundups. Uh, first, King and Black Roundup. Uh, Tim, here's what you need to know. Eldritch space god of nothingness, Null, yes. has come to Earth. Uh, he's also the god of symbiotes, basically. Yes. Um, if you read any of Jason Aaron's Thor, he made the Necrosword that, uh, Gore, who will be the villain in the next Thor movie, wields. Oh. Um, he's a big ol' big old jerk that's that's basically i think null was just starting to pop up when i was just running out of ability to run comic to read comics so i'm like that sounds about right tangentially like aware of null yeah there was like a year year and a half of god is coming and then Null started popping up. I think the first place he actually showed up was maybe Silver Surfer Black. Yeah, that seems right. So that is basically what you need to know. Uh, Venom number 33, which is written by Donny Cates. Art is by Iban Coelho. Colors are by Jesus Arbatov. And letters are by Clayton Cowles. Is about Eddie Brock, who is dead, question mark? In sort of the the... Central data repository that, the metaphorical central data repository that connects all symbiotes and null. Basically, uh, a symbiote limbo. Um, there is a strong urge in me to try to put those two words together. But I was just doing the same thing. I, I don't know how you would, though. Limbiote? Yeah, that's what I got, too. Yeah. <laughs> Not worth it, as it turns out. <laughs> Um, it took the scenic route to get there, and it was a capital D dumpster. 
Uh, the book, however, is great. I, I really dig Ibon Coelho's art on this, which I mention because uh, he's technically filling in on Venom, while Venom's regular artist Ryan Stegman draws the miniseries King and Black. Okay. Um, but there is no, like, sacrifice in quality. Ibon Coelho's work is just absolutely beautiful. Um, we also get the return of uh uh flash thompson okay in this issue and get to see him be uh good old heroic flash again nice uh and we get a we get a good spider-man moment as well that is uh him dealing with trying to console and take care of eddie's son who everybody wants to use as a weapon against null when spider-man feels more like you know what if you need to sit this out literal kid who just lost his father that is okay and i will take the heat we will find a way to win sometimes the great responsibility that comes with great power is being a decent human king and black black knight uh this is written by Cy spurrier art and colors are by jesus size and letters are by cory pettit uh this was the one i tried to talk tim into getting because one i don't think you actually need to know much about what's going on in king and black to enjoy it and two, as someone who does not know a whole hell of a lot about Black Knight, this is a great introduction to Black Knight. Um, I'm a big fan of Cy Spurrier's work in general. I had kind of assumed Black Knight would work as almost like a Captain Britain, right? Like, yeah. I've got a magical sword, and I am called upon to fight evil. And he thinks that is true, but basically he's just an asshole who's barely holding it together, who believes that this sword is meant for the pure of heart. And he is so clearly not that. <laughs> and the ghost of the original Knight of the Round Table who wielded it is so clearly not that. <laughs> Um, he, he runs into, on his way to answer a summons for all Avengers-adjacent heroes, which he takes exception to because he thought he was ready to be in the big time again. Uh, he runs into Arrow and Swordmaster, who are a couple of characters, uh, introduced recently through Agents of Atlas and in their own ongoings or miniseries. Uh, Arrow's like, oh yes, I also got this summons. Come, let us fight evil together. I'm young, but I am ready. I am ready to step up. And Swordmaster's like, hey, yo, uh, this adventure stuff is nonsense. I'm pretty sure these giant black dragons are the product of this god I've got to fight. Oh, they're not? Okay, cool. I'm out of here. This isn't my <laughs> problem. Then the Black Knight steals his sword, so he gets pulled into it. Uh, as it turns out, no, the sword has found him because he is, in fact, a colossal asshole, and I think that's what the miniseries that comes next is going to be exploring. This is so much fun and I think would be so up your alley. Oh, I'm I'm definitely gonna try and find a copy. Um, that's the only reason I didn't read it was because I couldn't I'm I'm gonna put I'm my gonna hands on one. Throw a minor spoiler here for Tim. Jump forward like thirty seconds if you don't want it. We do learn also that the, like, overwritten narration is actually Dane Whitman narrating his own stories to himself to try to, like, hold on to his sanity. Wow. Yeah. As, as they are happening. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not sure that that... Uh, hold on. Quick, quick sidebar. Do we think that would work? I mean... 
I've had some rough days. I wonder if I should just start narrating my days. You know, I know that there's one one school of thought that says if you talk to yourself too much, maybe that's a sign of, I don't know, it's time to visit a therapist. On the other hand, I've actually seen that espoused more recently as something to do to organize your thoughts and stay on top of things. All right. I really think the the sort of joking response is it's only a problem if things start talking back. Yeah, yeah. That may be that may <laughs> be the clearer delineation here. So as long as as long as the lamp doesn't respond, there we go. You're okay. okay. All right, all right. And I like that though as a thought of of, of I'm going to narrate my day in order to organize my thoughts. Yeah, I like that. Uh. <laughs> Moving right along, King and Black, <laughs> Gwynnum versus Carnage, number two. Uh, this is written by Shannon McGuire. Art is by Flaviano and Iguara. Colors are by Rico Rinzi. Letters are by Ariana Mar. This is just a straight continuation picking up right where issue one left off of the fight between Gwyn and Mary Jane who is now Carnage, and really gets into... It's Earth-65, Mary Jane. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Possessed and infected by Null. Gotcha. Uh, Really gets into the sort of ongoing, long-simmering tension between the two. Uh, You know, with with, with Gwyn missing practice and missing gigs, and Mary Jane feeling like Gwyn has to be the star, even though Mary Jane's supposed to be the star. Uh, It's it's really centered in those kinds of ideas. Rico Rinzi's colors in this give it an almost goth Lisa Frank vibe at times. (laughs) Sold. I did not know that those aesthetics could really go together until this book. But I flipped to the first page. It's like, no, goth Lisa Frank. That is what this is. I love it. Oh, that's so good. Then we have King and Black Marauders, which is uh, in the King and Black section instead of X-Men because it's squarely King and Black. Uh, It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Luke Ross. Colors by Carlos Lopez, letters by Corey Pettit, and designed by Tom Muller. Uh, it is about the Marauders team, led by Kate Pride, going to try to save Cyclops and Storm, who have been nullified, as they call it, thrown in symbiotes and controlled by Null, uh, from New York. This book does not actually see them getting to New York to do that. It is entirely about them being waylaid by a ship sending out a distress signal uh, that turns out to be run by human traffickers and becomes this really cool, unexpected story about how Krakoa would handle like needing to accept emergency refugees and provide humanitarian aid and things like that, and the sort of divisions in Krakoa that would crop up around that where you basically end up with with led by Magneto certain members of the Quiet Council saying we can't actually take this to the council because they will say it is not a mutant problem but we are not going to stand by while people are trafficked here is a solution uh I was very surprised by what this book wound up being but really dug it 
Oh, cool. And the last King in Black issue is Return of the Valkyries. Uh, the the first issue of this reintroduced one of the first Valkyries uh, who had been trapped in a headless body of a celestial floating through the void between life and afterlife, like you do. Mm-hmm. Brian and I speculated, is this the body of the head that is nowhere in Guardians of the Galaxy? Mm. We get an answer to that in this issue. Oh, do you? Uh, we also get to see some other Guardian, or some other Valkyries in action. Uh, Danny Moonstar takes a pretty central role in this issue. And then we also see Brunhilde again. Uh, I think since we talked about the first one, they have announced another valkyries mini series that will follow this from the same creative team which is uh i should say written by jason aaron and torin grunbeck art by nina vacueva colors by tamra bonvillain and letters by joe sabino uh that will definitely be coming straight out of this so i think it's a good thing that they're calling them two separate series because starting in an event tends to make it hard to get people onto a new book but i would absolutely read this if you've been a fan of jason aaron's thor run or the valkyrie series that jason aaron and torn grunbeck wrote beforehand or just are planning to read that that mini series that starts in a couple months and then we'll do a quick check-in on krakoa with the x-men tim when was the last x-men book that you got to read oh my goodness i do not even remember you did House of X and Powers of Ten? No. Oh. I did not. Yeah, we're, we're talking even further back than that on any oh. of the X-Men books. Well, you're in for a treat when you have time to read all of that. Yeah, it's it, it, it's such a daunting task to get caught up with those X-Men books sometimes. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you find yourself with a lot of free time, I've got a reading <laughs> order saved on my computer. Okay. Let me know and I'll share that with you. Cool. And actually, that's what I'm I'm waiting for some collected editions of King and Black to start rolling in to get me jumped uh, off yeah. on that. I would I would go back to the beginning of Donnie Cates's whole Venom run and do yeah. it in absolute carnage, too. OK. All right. X Factor number seven. It was written by Leah Williams. The artist is David Baldeon. The colorist is Israel Silva. The letterer is Joe Caramagna, and the design was, once again, by Tom Muller. This book starts in a fairly upbeat place, with Prodigy getting uh, a little bit of romance, perhaps, and ends in a very dark place, with Dokken having been uh, deceived and left for dead and stuck in a position where he couldn't quite heal and couldn't quite move himself for days uh, before being found. All of this is still dealing with the team trying to settle the siren being possessed by the Morgan situation. Uh, and if you've read Wicked and Divide, and I know that's, you know, just mythological Morgan. So if you know mythology, I guess. Uh, Morgan is kind of an unrepentant asshole. This book is so good. So good. I know it sounds weird, just this one issue, but it's so good. Yeah. Tim has made some really choice faces in responding to, <laughs> to my descriptions, and I'm sad that you cannot see them listening yeah. to this audio medium. 
Then we move on to Hellions number nine, where there is also some, let's say, mental manipulation going on. Uh, at the start of the issue, we see Mr. Sinister, who is... Tim, since you have not read any of the Hickman era stuff, you need to know Mr. Sinister has gone from being that lame clown again to <laughs> the most over-the-top, amazing snake in the grass really there are a handful of characters mr sinister i think emma frost cyclops who have really had a chance to shine in the last like year and a half of x-men books uh there is an issue at one point where mr sinister needs a favor and has to barter his cape in exchange for that favor and it pisses him off so much that he has to give up his cape to go ahead because without it his outfit is not complete uh this is written by zeb wells its art is by steven segovia the colors are by david curiel the letters are by ariana mara and the design is by you guessed it tom muller mr sinister is meeting with mastermind there's no way that goes badly (laughs) uh then we cut to mr sinister is missing who who knows who knows why what happened there it is a a true mystery (laughs) and the hellions are dispatched to go save him uh they do not want to sage sends them and then sage tells the quiet council oh yes we normally wouldn't send them the hellions tim are basically x-men suicide squad okay um sage tells the council oh yes they very much wanted to they felt it needed to be their responsibility to save their their leader and well far be it from me to stand in their way of finding their their morals so something is up with sage who is basically in charge of monitoring all information going into and coming out of krakoa again no way that goes badly (laughs) um and the team quickly finds itself at uh uh the location of whomever is responsible for Mr. Sinister's disappearance. Arcade. Oh, fun. Yes. Uh, this is, this is a, f- like, take a, take a Suicide Squad book and then make it just a little goofy. Could you, could you read Hellion separate from the, the other X-Books? Or do you think it needs to be a piece of the bigger? I mean... There are definitely, like, issues of it. When you get to Ten of Swords, which was the big X-Men book, X-Men event that just wrapped up, uh-huh. that story played out across 22 issues scattered you. through the line. So, like, there are two issues of Hellions that are about that. Maybe you don't necessarily need to read all of it, but I don't think you would know exactly what was up gotcha. in those two issues. My general advice is if you can read all of the X-Men stuff together, go for it. They've actually been putting out trade paperbacks that are like uh, uh, Dawn of X Volume 1 through Dawn of X Volume 15. And like Volume 1 is literally the first issue of each of the first six books. And Volume 2 is literally the second issue. Oh, that's cool. And all of that will carry you up to... Ten of Swords, and I think after that we'll start getting the same collections, but they'll be called Reign of X, Volume 1, etc. So, like, I think they've released up through ten or so of those, so you're definitely waiting a little longer Mm -hmm. to read that way. Uh, And you can get, like, an individual Hellions Volume 1. If it were me, though, 
Yeah, that I, sounds like the way to do it. I would the... do one of two things. I would either do that, or if you don't care about having the physical editions, get yourself a Marvel Unlimited subscription. Yeah, that makes sense too. Um, and just read through them there. I actually think I actually think it's a little shorter wait on Marvel Unlimited than it is with the the physical collections at this point. I got you. All right, is it still good? Or Alex makes himself hate himself. <laughs> the Wrong Earth, Night and Day, number two. Uh, this is the... You you read the first Wrong Earth, right, Tim? Yeah, I did. I did. This is the issue you have been waiting for. <sighs> Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man meet and have to work together. Oh, yeah. I, it's such a good book series. I needed, I, I definitely need to get this issue. This is another one where I just couldn't find it. It was sold out yeah. at the shop I went to. Grab the trades. This will be... There, there's the Wrong Earth Volume 1. There's Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, which is, I think, set entirely before that. And then this will be a third trade. Oh, I didn't know there was a second trade out even. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's under don't... a different title, but... Okay. Yeah, it's, it's called Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man. Gotcha. Luna number one. This is written, drawn, colored, lettered, everything by Maria Jovet. Uh, who has, I think, a very distinctive style that lives in this sort of bright, colorful, horror place. This is about a woman who wakes up in the desert and maybe has been in a car accident. I don't know that I totally buy that. I think maybe something else is up. But she is rescued by, I'm going to go ahead and call it a cult that lives in the desert and uh, reveres this cave in the middle of an oasis that you're not allowed to go into. Um, and she is invited to join the cult, which involves uh, some amount of psychotropics and uh, monsters. There are definitely monsters. This is, this is, at the very least, unsettling, but I think by the time this miniseries is over, it will be horror. The monsters, do they come before the psycho- psychotropics or after the psychotropics? after mm, yeah i gotta go read this one right now i i do not believe they are imagined okay yeah the dreaming waking hours number seven this is the second part of our uh heather after interlude uh in which heather is in the hospital after being attacked from puck after being attacked by puck from midsummer night's dream uh and while the supporting cast tries to save her. She figures out how to save herself. It's so good. I love this series so much. Far Sector number 10. Uh, we are, this is the third issue from the end, and the shit has hit the fan uh, in ways that feel prescient, but I imagine have to have been scripted well, well ahead of time, knowing how comics publication works. This is one that I'm going to need to hurry up and get done. Because I didn't realize this this one flew under my radar till it was about half over, and so I've been waiting for a collected edition just to sit down and read it all. Yeah, because it does seem like kind of my bit. I'm sure once issue twelve is out, because it was always solicited as a twelve issue series. Mm-hmm. That is when it will get its collection. Yep, and that's what I'm waiting on. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, also, just Jamal Campbell's art is yeah. gorgeous. Uh, Hellblazer Rise and Fall number three. John Constantine teaches us the true value of billionaires. Marvel Action Chillers number four. 
Stephen Strange and the Wasp and Ironheart and Captain America and Teenage Elsa Bloodstone team up to take down the Iron Dracula, which is a Dracula in an Iron Man suit. Ah, oh, oh. so uh, apparently this is a button for me is when you take two things that I think are really cool and you mash them together, it just becomes monstrously cool. Yeah. Like Dracula in an Iron Man suit. Like, I have to go read this book right now. He also has the Necronomicon. Oh, that's what it, it's the Cosmic Ghost Rider role. Yeah. You just put a whole bunch of neat stuff together and then all of a sudden Tim has to read it. Yeah. Tim needs more metaphorical Reese's peanut butter cups. Exactly. You got Dracula exactly. and my Iron Man. <laughs> you got Iron Man and my Dracula. That's exactly it. Uh, Avengers number 42, the contest to see who will be possessed by the Phoenix continues. Uh, Tim number 41 involved Howard the Phoenix. Uh. Uh, and Namor's a dick. Yeah. The Immortal Hulk number 43. Maybe, just maybe, Joe Fixit can be a decent person sometimes. The Legend of Shang-Chi one-shot. This is a fun single issue in which Shang-Chi has to steal an evil sword from a museum before it is sold off because it can't fall into the wrong hands. Which of course means that Lady Deathstrike is already trying to steal it. <laughs> Shout out to the artist on this, Andy Tong, for drawing what really is basically mostly one big fight issue really, really well. Like, the choreography and staging of this fight is, yeah. I think, one of the best examples of a, a fight in a comic book I've seen in a long time. Runaways, number 33. Uh, the Runaways are... Dealing with the stress of trying to actually live a normal life, not like a bunch of superheroes. And then the stress added to that when Wolverine shows up to, uh, to bring their one mutant member home to Krakoa. Strange Academy, number seven. We deal with the fallout of Kid Mephisto having died and been brought back to life. Resonant, number seven. Uh, Pax is trying to keep the ship... The literal ship that he is on, this is not a metaphor, uh, sailing straight through a big wave and a metaphorical wave and keep his head on straight through it uh, while his kids deal with cannibals wanting to come eat them. That took a turn. Yeah, it's a really good book. I don't think, is that Vault? It is. And finally, Vagrant Queen, A Planet Called Doom, number six. Uh, Isaac has to deal with the darker parts of himself as everybody confronts Brother John. All right, this week's books. Uh, it's another Future State Week. So we've got Dark Detective number three. The main story is by Marco Tamaki and Dan Mora. Rifters is by Matthew Rosenberg and Carmine DeG and Domenico. Green Lanterns number two with The Last Lanterns by Jeffrey Thorne and Tom Rainey. Teen Lantern by Josie Campbell and Andy Tong, and Hal Jordan by Christopher Priest and Dexter Soy. Justice League number two, with a main story by Joshua Williamson, Robson Rocha, and Danielle Enriquez, and Justice League Dark by Rom V and Marcio Takara. Kara Zorel Superwoman number two by Marguerite Bennett and Marguerite Sauvage. Robin Eternal number two by Megan Fitzmartin and Eddie Barrows. Superman Wonder Woman number two by Dan Waters and Leila Del Duca. 
and Teen Titans number two by Tim Sheridan and Rafa Sandoval. Uh, outside of Future State, coming from Image, we have Radiant Black number one by Kyle Higgins, Marcelo Costa, and Becca Carey. I have not read a lot about this book because I've seen so much like praise for it on Twitter already. I know it has kind of a Power Rangers vibe, and that is all I have let myself read. Uh, <laughs> I will be picking this one up for sure. Yep. Is there anything on your radar for next week? I'm just springing you on this as we record. I know. So. I, know I knew I should have looked, and now I'm, I'm I'm going through it real quick. Um, I haven't read Future State Green Lantern number one yet, but I definitely will be getting number two and reading both of them. Um. Gotta get that Justice League, or Justice League Dark at the very least. Yeah, I'm scrolling through the oh. comic list now. Tim, do you know in the future who Etrigan possesses? No. Detective Chimp. Ah, uh, but uh, it's the Iron Dracula rule again. Uh-huh. Now, I need everything with that in it. They just, they know how to get me. Gone, gone the simian, rise the demon, Etrigan. <laughs> uh, let's see. You should also grab Teen Titans 1 and 2. All of them. Let's just say all of them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they are... Just like you said, they, they stand alone so well. That I absolutely should. Yeah. Well, while you, while you give it one last glance, I am going to cover one other piece of business I have for this week. Okay. Uh, as, as you may... You may be aware. I don't know how far behind you are in actually listening. Uh, we have uh, 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 a shadowy figure that lurks and occasionally challenges Brian and me to a long box book report. <laughs> and in, in, in true, uh, I gave you all the clues, Mr. Policeman Scrawl, I have received another note. This 1982 Marvel comic is currently only available on eBay or comic book stores that cater to older comics. You may need the sun to come out before you dig through many comic bins to find what is hiding behind the Longbox Book Report's door number three. This classic story has a very theatrical feel. During their quest, the Red Hero gets the opportunity to interact with President Roosevelt. Spoiler, the story ends happily ever after, with the financial father of war embracing our hero. Have you figured out what story is featured in the next Longbox Book Report? So I have not looked to see what what it is yet, but I do have a guess. Tim, do you do you want to predict what this might be? I think I know uh, exactly what this is. If it is not this, it is an amazing fake out. Father of War? No, I don't have a glass. I don't have a guess. It's got to be a comic book adaptation of Annie the Musical. Oh, interesting. Oh, that is a completely different direction than I was thinking. The sun will come out. Red Hero meets President Roosevelt. Yeah. Okay. I think this is a comic book. I think Daddy this Warbucks? is a comic book at Yeah, I think this is yeah. a comic book adaptation of of Annie. But we will find out for sure next week on our 250th episode. All right. <laughs> yeah. Tim, you got anything else before we wrap it up? No, I don't think so. In that case, uh first, my thanks to Tim for uh yeah. saving our bacon. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for letting me come on. It's it fun. has been fun. Yes, once as you are getting caught up, you'll have to yeah. come on come on At again and check in. 
Absolutely. Uh, I will send you links to, to go listen to our coverage of the March and April solicitations. Cool. So that you can uh, navigate all that. I've also got basically the, the spreadsheet equivalent of one of those giant murder boards that oh, is nice. taken over a room <laughs> with red string that shows how all the Gotham books connect to each other. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll send you that too. It's terrifying. <laughs> we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology, get merch at bit.ly slash panelology merch, capital P, capital M, or send us questions and comments at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. If you have listened through the outro, then here is a teaser for you. Next week, we have a special announcement to coincide with, again, our 250th episode. I'm Alex. And I'm Tim. You remember what you say at the end? Go read comics. Go read comics.